All right, good morning, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you on Super Bowl weekend. I don't know who you're rooting for this morning, but I do have a prediction, and you can take this one to the bank. I guarantee you that the 49ers will not win the Super Bowl <laughs> this year, but next year, look out. And for you Raider fans, I know you're feeling the same way. It's always next year, right? Next year. Well, hey, everybody, I'm so thrilled you're here as we're continuing in our series called Transformed. And this morning, we're talking about being transformed into financial health. In fact, there's an outline for our message. It's a light green sheet found in your program. Let me encourage you to take this out and use it to follow along. All the verses from the Bible that we're looking at are printed there for you. And there's a place to take some notes, and I hope you will. Because the truth is, we need to talk about financial health. Because the truth is, money, if you're not careful, money can dominate your life. It can influence you for good or for bad, because money can be used for great things. But it can also be used for bad things. And either way, listen to me, friends, if you don't manage your money, your money will manage you. And so right off the top, I want us to hear from the, very, the, most, the wisest person who ever lived, Solomon. He said these words about money in Ecclesiastes 5.10 on the top of your outline. He said, those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth, that wealth brings true happiness. Now, I was looking at that, that those who love money will never have enough. Do any of you feel that way? Like no matter how hard I work or how careful I try to be, there just never seems to be enough money. You ever feel that way? Like there's always more month than there is money. Well, friends, I know that's true about you. I know it's a reality because this is what the financial experts tell us about finances in America. Do you know that financial experts tell us that the average American family is just three weeks away from bankruptcy? Also that Americans, listen to this, Americans write over one million bad checks every day. A million. Now this one just astounded me. They said the average, the average household debt in the U.S. is now 136% of household income. Do you know what that means? Like 100% is coming in and 136% is going out. You know what that means? Trouble trouble. And let's be honest, some of you, as you sit here today, you know you're in financial trouble. Well, check out this next one, because uh, this one is 50% of all divorces are caused by or related to financial pressure in the home. Like, maybe we should change the vows to say, till debt do us part, because a lot of people are breaking up over money. And then the last one, this is why it's so important that we talk about this today, because 39% of all Americans have listed financial worry as their number one concern. Friends, according to these stats, there, there's a lot of financial pain and suffering and sickness uh, in our world today, and perhaps that's you. Perhaps you're struggling. Perhaps you're overwhelmed and stressed out. And friends, I promise you, this is not to kick you when you're down or to make you feel good. God loves you. He cares about you. He wants to help you, and he wants to transform you, leading you to real health. And so we have to talk about this because let's be honest, man. It's, when it comes to money, it's just crazy. It's just, it's just out of control. It's insane 
what's happening with people's financial situations. In fact, um, I want to share with you the definition of insanity. You know it, right? Insanity, write this down, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And friends, if your finances are insane, if it's out of control, if you're stressed out, can I tell you, God wants to help you change to get a different result. That's what this series, Transformed, is all about. In fact, I want to bring you back to the very foundational verse of our whole series. Romans 12, 2 tells us how God changes us for the better from the inside out. And because this is our foundational verse, we're all trying to learn this together, I'm going to ask you all to stretch early. Stand with me for a second. Let's all stand together and let's drive this verse home in our heads and in our hearts. Let's say Romans 12, 2 out loud together. Ready, go. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Awesome, guys. Good job. Thank you for that. Now, again, I want to remind you, this verse, it does not tell you to transform yourself. It doesn't say, come on, get your act together, work hard, do better, come on. It doesn't, it says, be transformed, which really means partner with God, cooperate with the work of God, let God do it in your life. And here's the, the starting point for how God begins to change your life. He does that by renewing your mind, by changing the way you think about life, yourself, your, your health, your money, your relationships. He changes the way you think and so it starts here, and then it gets planted here, and then when it comes out in how you handle money and life in a healthy way. And so can I tell you, I believe that God wants to change the way you think about money this morning. And so we're going to look at a very interesting story that Jesus told. A lot of times when Jesus was trying to make a point, he would use a parable. Now a parable is simply an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Like Jesus would tell these stories that everyone could relate to and understand, but then he wanted to like deal with an issue, but give the spiritual implications. So Jesus told this parable, but can I, can I just tell you in advance, it's really weird. I mean, you're going to go to this story and you're going to say, wait, I don't get it because it sounds like Jesus is praising dishonesty. And can I tell you in advance, he's not praising dishonesty, he's promoting shrewdness. This parable is called the parable of the shrewd manager, and I want us to walk through it together. So on your outline, let's just look at it. It says this. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day a report came that the manager was wasting his employee, employer's money. So the employer called him in and said, what's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you are going to be fired manager said to himself, like, oh my gosh, now, now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches, and I'm too proud to beg. Oh, wait a second. I know, I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I, am, when I am fired. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come discuss the situation. He asked the first one, hey, how much do you owe him? The man replied, well, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager said, hey, take your bill and, and quickly change it to 400 gallons. Like, hey, don't say anything, wink, wink. We will just kind of, you know, behind his back. Then, and how much do you owe the employer? He asked the next man, well, I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat, he replied. 
It was his reply. Here the manager said, well, we'll take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. Guys, he's doing this under the table, obviously behind the boss's back without his permission. Now here's, check out what it says. The rich man, like the employer, the rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so, what? Shrewd. For being so shrewd. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of light. See, here's what he's saying. He's saying, man, hey, you can learn something from this dishonest guy. He's saying, don't copy his dishonesty, but copy his shrewdness. Do you know what it means to be shrewd? Shrewdness means that you're smart, sharp, strategic, resourceful. You can make practical decisions. And Jesus is telling it, when it comes to money, you need to be shrewd. You need to be smart, sharp, strategic. Be shrewd. And then here's how the parable ends. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. He's talking about heaven here. See, guys, I think Jesus wants to use this parable to transform the way we think about money so that it can start in our head, get planted in our hearts, and come out in the way that we handle these little pieces of paper that we call money. And from this story, I want you to see a few things. First of all, Jesus makes it clear that there are two things that you want to make sure that you do not do with money. Like, if you do these things, it's going to mess you up for a long time. Two things not to do, and then he tells us three things that you can do with your money to get healthy financially. So are you ready? Can we talk about it? The first thing not to do with money is Jesus makes it clear. Don't worship it. Don't worship money. See, right after Jesus told this parable, just a few verses later, in Luke 16, 13, Jesus said this, no servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both what? God and money. You cannot serve. It's impossible. You're, friends, Jesus is saying somewhere along the course of your life, you need to make a concrete, committed choice about who's going to be the Lord of your life, God or money. And Jesus said, make sure that you make the right choice. Don't worship money see you worship what you love the most you worship what you trust the most you you worship what you believe in to secure your future the most is it god or is it money well friends here's why you don't want to choose money to be your god first timothy 6 10 on the screens behind me tell us this for the love of money is the what the root of all kinds of evil would you pause for just a moment and acknowledge the depth of that statement. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And if you stop and think about it, almost all the evil in the world, the drug trade, human trafficking, porn industry, prostitution, organized crime, corruption, almost all the evil in the world can be traced back to people choosing greed over God and loving and worshiping money. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people, and friends, you don't want this to be you. Listen to me. It says, some people eager for money have wandered away from their faith 
and have pierced themselves with many griefs. Well, what does that mean? It kind of reminds me of the story of the, of the lawyer, the pastor, and the little boy. You remember, you remember this little story? Story of this lawyer and this pastor and this little boy, they're flying on a small private plane from LA to San Francisco. And they get over a mountain range when all of a sudden the pilot comes on and says, oh my gosh, guys, I have terrible news. One of the engines just went out. He said, because I'm the pilot, I have to go down with the plane. But the bad news is we only have two parachutes and there's three of you. So you're going to have to decide who gets the parachute, the lawyer, the pastor, or the little boy. Well, right away, that lawyer doesn't skip a beat, man. He jumps up. He reaches under the little boy's seat. He grabs a parachute. He says, guys, this is my big chance. He said, when I jump to safety, man, I'm going to sue this company, make millions. I'm going to be rich and famous. See ya, suckers. And he jumps out. Well, then the pastor, he looks at this little boy and he says, well, son, you know, I've lived a good life and I'm ready to meet my maker. You take the last parachute. Oh boy says, oh, pastor, no, it's okay. We, we have two parachutes. Pastor says, what do you mean? The lawyer just took one. He said, no, no, he didn't take a parachute. He grabbed my backpack. <laughs> Can I tell you, a lot of times we're like the lawyer. We grab onto something thinking it's going to make us rich and famous and happy and secure. We think it's our golden parachute only to find out it's an empty backpack. And I promise you that lawyer was pierced with many griefs. Like, it didn't turn out quite like he hoped. Friends, you have to make a choice. Are you going to worship God or money? you going to love God or money? You, you, I, I, I think about it. I, the other day I was in my garage, and I don't know if my son or one of my kids had this as a toy, but I found this, like, giant plastic penny. And for some reason, I just kind of hung on to it. I thought, it was kind of cool. And I was looking at it, and I thought, man, there's two sides to this penny. One side, it just says one cent, United States of America. That's on one side. But on the other side, it says this, in God we trust. And friends, in your life, you're going to have to make a decision. What side are you going to be on? Where are you going to put your trust? And Jesus says, what not to do with money, don't worship it. Put your trust in God, not in money. The second thing he tells you, would you write this down? He says, don't worship. And then number two, don't waste it. Don't waste all oh, friends. We waste so much money. And in this parable, look what Jesus said in Luke 16 too. He said, one day a report came that the manager was what? Wasting his employer's money. Now, some of you may have the mindset, well, hey, it's my money. I'm free to do what I, what I want with it. If I want to waste it, that's my deal. But friends, if you're a Christ follower, you belong to God. And you live with re the reality that it's not my money to waste. It's, it's God's money. And we're going to come back to that. But this whole idea of wasting money, it reminds me of the true story of Millard and Linda Fuller. Now, you might not know who Millard and Linda Fuller are. But let me tell you their story. True story. When Millard was 29 years old, he was a multimillionaire. And he married Linda, and he lavished on her the, the, the lifestyle. Spared no expense, and they spent money on frivolous things, parties and cars and clothes and all of that. And this extravagant lifestyle, only to find that one day Millard came home, and he found a note on the kitchen counter from Linda saying that she was leaving him. 
She said all this extravagant, wasteful living, she said it left her empty and cold and just burnt out. She said she felt dead inside and she just wanted to live. Well, because he was a rich man, he had the resources. He tracked her down to a hotel room in New York City. And he knocked until she opened. She said, we got to talk. They ended up talking all night. And at the like one of those like soul conversations. And at the end of the, that night, they got down on their knees and they prayed, God, show us, just show us what to do. And when they got up from their knees, they decided that they would take all their money and all their stuff, they'd sell everything, and they, they would invest it in helping the poor and fighting for justice for the, the oppressed. And friends, maybe you don't know Millard and Linda Fuller. Maybe you don't recognize their names, but you know the result of their decision. Take a look. Because Millard and Linda Fuller, they are the ones who started Habitat for Humanity. They are the ones, because of them, thousands of homes were built, affordable homes all across our country. See, this parable tells us there are two things you don't want to do with money. Don't worship it and don't waste it. But the parable doesn't stop there because there are some things you can actually do with money to get financially healthy. And the first one there on your outline, would you write this down? This is going to sound a little strange to you, but you want to, with money, you want to work to get in upper management. You want to get in upper management. I want to give you a little, some of you might be surprised, you're saying, Paul, you don't understand, huh? I'm, I'm never going to get that high in my company, in my business. I'm just a worker. What do, you, what do you mean? Well, I want to give you a little Bible test here. Look at the next verse on your outline, Psalm 24.1. Look at this verse. It says this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. So, friends, here's the test. According to this verse, what belongs to God? What does he own? Everything. God owns everything. That means your house, your car, your money, your clothes, your resources, your mind, your body, your everything on this earth, including people, belong to God. Friends, this is why this is so important, because if you'll capture this, this will transform your life. This is the truth. Write this down. Stewardship principle right here that God is the owner, I am the manager. God is the owner, I am the manager. That's what this parable teaches. Look at Luke 16, 1. There was a certain rich man in the parable, this is God, who had a manager, that's you, handling his affairs. So I don't know if you realize this or not, but when you walked here, maybe you didn't know this, friends, you're in management right now. God has entrusted some things into your hands. You're a manager. God, everything that you have, your resources, your time, your talents, your abilities, your, your money, your clothes, your homes, your car, everything you have, God has given you, but you are to be, God's the owner, you're the manager, you're in management. Everything you have is a gift from God. Friends, you wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for God. The very next breath you take is a, some of you are saying, well, wait a second, I work for this with my own hands. Friends, who gave you those hands? Who gave you the life, the gift of life that you're living? God has given you all of this to manage for him. But here's the thing. God's loaned it to you. He's the owner. You're the manager. God's watching what you're doing with it. Here's a question. 
How well are you managing God's property? How well are you, for example, God's giving you your body. Are you taking good care of your body? Are you managing that? Well, what about your time or your talents or your mind? Friends, can I tell you, you do not want to miss next week because we're talking about what it means to be mentally healthy and to develop a sharp working mindset. Now, you see, here in God's economy, we're all under, we are all in management, but you don't want to stay where you're at. You want to move to upper management. You know why? Because when you're in upper management, you have more power. You have more influence. You have more authority. You have more blessings and resources and a higher ultimate salary. So God is, the Bible tells us, God is looking throughout the whole earth to see whose hearts are fully committed to him because God's making a decision right now. Who can I promote to upper management? And do you know how God decides? Write this down on your outline. Money is my test. Money is my test. That's what the Bible tells us. Friends, listen to me. Take a moment right now. Just look around the room. Just look at all the people here. Different colors, different backgrounds, different cultures, different life situations. But we all share one thing in common. This is what I know about you. You want your life to count. You want to come to the end of your life and look back and say, man, I made a difference. Like God used my life to have an impact for good in the world. And can I tell you, God's purpose for your life is so big that you'll never fulfill your impact without God's blessing, God's power, God's support, God's authority, God's promotion to upper management. Now, here's the deal. Right now, as we sit, God's using money to test you, to test you. God doesn't just automatically give his blessings to anybody. He tests you first to see if you can handle it, see if you're going to be faithful, to see if you're going to be responsible, to see if he can trust you with his money. So God says, before I put you in upper management in my company, in my kingdom, I'm going to give you some things. I'm going to give you some, some money and material resources. And I'm going to see if you can handle those little things before I give you the true riches in, in this world. I mean, that's what Jesus said in this parable just a few verses later in Luke 16, 10 through 12. Look at what Jesus said. He said, whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? If you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Friend, here's the amazing thing. Think about this. With, with money, you get to decide. You're making a statement. Not only do you trust in God, but you're making a statement, can God trust you? Can God trust you? And money is the test. In, in upper management, more influence, more power, more opportunity, to make a difference in God's company, God's business, more benefits, more rewards. And God says, before I promote you to upper management, I'm going to put some worldly riches in your hand and see how you handle those. Now, here's my question. Are you passing the test? Think about it. Are you passing the test? 
Are you using your resources to build God's kingdom or are you spending all of your money to build your own little kingdom? Is it all about you or is it about being a manager of God's resources? Well, I want, to get, I want you to hear from someone who's really passing the test well. God promoted him to upper management and he is one of our key leaders at our Hayward campus and I want you to hear his story by video. Let's, uh, even though it's a video, let's clap for Devin Ensing and his faithful service. Let's take a look at his testimony. Hello, Crossroads. How's everybody doing today? It's a blessing to be here tonight to speak with all of you. And I just think it's funny they asked me to speak on the financial uh, transformation series. Uh, but I was raised in a Christian home. From a very young age, I had financial discipline instilled in me. I was given an allowance of $5 every week. $1 my parents took back and said, this is going to savings. And 50 cents, they said, this is going to your tithe, 10%. You want to tithe 10% um, from the very beginning. So I had that financial discipline instilled in me. However, everyone knows life can get in the way. <laughs> so when I went to school, to college, I got some student loans. I had a low-paying entry-level job, and I had uh, a housing market here in the Bay Area that uh, was a little bit expensive. Maybe people can uh, uh, identify with that. So we were never uh, irresponsible with our money. Uh, my wife and I were married right out of college, but we had to save every penny we earned. And not only that, we were committed to tithing a full 10% of every dollar that we earned. With God's grace, after a few lean years, we were able to get out of debt, pay off all of our loans, and buy a home here in the Bay Area. I'm now an investment advisor, financial planner, and want to encourage anybody here that might be struggling with financial issues to go to our Financial Peace University class. If you're in that situation where you're struggling, that can be a big lifeline and a way to get out of that situation. But I'm not here to teach you Finance 101. I'm here to give you my testimony. My story doesn't have any dramatic setbacks or challenges or ordeals but I wanna share how God can work through me in an ordinary life to impact the world, to bless both myself, but also my community and relationships, relationships around me. My parents played in a church when I was uh, not even born yet, actually the year before I was born. I was in Sunday school almost every week growing up, and I accepted Christ when I was just a little bit older than my daughter here uh, today. My parents' faith and good decisions benefited me. And God does have a sense of humor. My wife and I were very heavily involved in planting the Hayward campus just last year, the year before our daughter was born. I've been involved in the church from the very beginning of my life. While there were some years that it's less of a priority, it has been, as I can say, pretty much there my entire life. My faith in the church have helped keep me from one of those dramatic, life-changing testimonies. But by no means am I perfect, just ask my wife. I still struggle with impatience, anger and selfishness, 880 traffic, anybody getting here tonight? My wife will be the first to tell you, I can be tough to deal with sometimes, but I thank God every day for the grace he's given her to put up with me. And I'm learning that to have a life-changing impact, I need to get closer to God. And just because my testimony isn't life-changing, or I haven't had those life changes, doesn't mean that I can't change others' lives with my own actions and through my own transformation. And that's why we're doing this series. Everyone needs transformation. The good news is our story's not over yet. God is still working through us. In each topic of the series, we're dealing with a different issue. This week, financial 
health and financial transformation. And I firmly believe that if you do not have financial health, it is very difficult, if not impossible, to sustain physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and any other health throughout your daily life. Living paycheck to paycheck with no room to plan for the future, let alone give God what is his, ultimately causes stress and friction in every area of your life. But everyone wants the fulfilling life. Everybody wants the peace and prosperity that comes with that. And this is where this church comes into play. We want to lead seekers to love Jesus and live their most fulfilling life. But I wouldn't be living the fulfilled life that I'm currently living, I hope to continue living for a very long time, if it wasn't for this church and my childhood church being led by a group of people that faithfully gave towards the church. And that's why as part of my testimony and our life going forward, my wife and I have committed to fully tithe 10% of our money coming in every single month. And there are three big reasons why we decided to tithe. Why we tithe even when we were broke newlyweds. And there's plenty of other things that we wish we could spend money on. First of all, we want to put God first. As Pastor Paul mentioned, God is the owner and we are simply a manager. I like the word steward and having stewardship. Stewardship is similar. It simply means taking care of God's blessings, God's way for his glory. And that brings me to the second reason, God's blessings. My wife and I have seen enough examples of our own life where no matter how much we give, God always seems to give more back. And lastly, we want to invest wisely. We want to invest in eternity. We want God's continued blessings uh, through both of our time, our money, and our energy that we're expending through this church campus, both here in Fremont and in our Hayward campus especially. We're at a critical point in this church's history, and we want to be a part of it. We want God to call us to trust our money to him. No matter how much money you can make in this life, whether you keep it yourself or whether you give it back, it's nothing compared to the overall blessings that we will receive uh, from God in heaven one day. So I challenge you to transform the way you think about your finances. When you use your finances God's way, he blesses you, he meets your needs, and he gives you joy and peace. I've already seen that in my own life, and I encourage you to, do th to trust God so that he can continue doing that in each one of your lives. Thank you. You know, guys, I don't know if you heard it, but part of Devin's testimony, he's saying, hey, the reason I give money and tithe and do all that is because I want to invest in eternity. In fact, that's the second thing you can do with your money to get healthy financially. Would you write this down? Invest in eternity. In Luke 16, 9, Jesus gave the punchline of his parable. This is what he said. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. What he's saying here is, hey, use some of your money. Use some of your resources that, so that later on, to make some spiritual friends. Make some eternal friends that you are going to have in heaven forever. Now think about it. That may sound shocking, but friends, <laughs> I want to be clear. It's not saying you can buy your way into heaven. The good news is you don't have to do that. That price, your ticket has already been paid. Jesus paid for you on the cross when he died in your place to pay for your sins. Salvation is a gift that you don't pay for, you receive, and I hope you will. But what it is saying here, this is the cool thing. 
He's saying that when I use my money to help other people know Jesus, I'm making friends for eternity, and I'll get the rewards in eternity. Now, I want you to imagine this. I want you to think of it this way. Imagine the day comes, and friends, it will, when you get to go to heaven. Can you imagine when you walk up to the gates of heaven? See it this way. Man, it's just lined with all these people who are cheering you in. I mean, they're high-fiving you. They're clapping. Woo-hoo, you did it. You made it. Come on, cross, cross your finish line. And then once you come into heaven, they just gather around you, some people you know, lots of people you don't even know, and they're hugging you, and they're saying, oh, thank you, thank you, because of you, because you spent some of your money down there, I get to be up here. And because of what you did, because you invested in in helping a place, there be a place where people can hear about the love of Jesus, I accepted Christ, I got to go to heaven, and now we're going to be friends for life. No, scratch that. Friends for eternal life. Friends, I want you to think, I I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, man, just in the last eight years, my financial life in the last eight years, I was thinking, man, I spent a lot of money. Man, just like you, think about it, eight years, the last eight years, what if you did? Man, I paid my mortgage, cars, clothes, college tuition, vacations, restaurants, stuff I didn't even need. Going, I mean, I spent a lot of money. Some of I go, man, I'm not even sure everything I spent my money on. But I can tell you, there's one thing I know I did with my money. The thing that I'm most proud of, do you know, eight years ago in this church, we challenged our church family to go big and break new ground and finish strong, to give above and beyond, not just to build a building, but to invest in building a place where people can hear that God loves them so much that he gave his only son and that anyone who would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The thing I'm most proud of in the last eight years that I spent money on was I invested in eternity. And I want you to see a picture of what that investment looks like because this is one of my favorite pictures in all my life right here. I want to let you know this past summer, this is Mike Rudder. Mike Rudder, he he first came across it. He didn't even want to come to church. Man, but he was far from God, and his marriage was a mess, and his wife was threatening to leave him. Well, his wife came to church without him because she didn't know what to do, and someone said, well, maybe you should try church. So she went. She went home. She grabbed her husband. She dragged him here. And God not only saved their marriage, but he saved their souls. This past summer, I got, yeah, amen to that. Because this past summer, right here in this building, do you know that Mike Rudder was the very first baptism we've had in this new building? We baptized him this summer. And this December, Mike went home to heaven. He died of terminal cancer. Can I tell you, of all the things I've done with my money, do you know what my investment means? It means one day when I go home to heaven, Mike's going to be there going, come on, Paul, you did it, man, you did it. I, Mike is my forever eternal friend. That's what it means to invest in eternity. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19 through 21, he says, don't store up treasures here on earth 
where they can erode away or maybe stolen. Store them in heaven. Well, they'll never lose their value and they're safe from thieves. If your prophets are in heaven, then your heart will be there also. And work to get an upper management to have your impact. Invest in eternity. There's one last thing you can do with your money. Did you write this down? Prepare. Prepare for God's audit. Prepare for God's audit. Friends, can I... Can I, can I tell you, I'm not a gloom and doom guy. I'm not a hellfire and brimstone guy. I'm, I'm a pretty happy, simple guy. I love life. I have a lot of joy. But as your pastor, I have to tell you the truth. And can I tell you that there will be a day where you'll stand before Almighty God and you'll give an account, an accounting of how you managed your one and only life. That's what the parable tells us. Luke 16, 2 The employer, the boss, the owner said, you must now give me an account of your stewardship and report what you've done with what I've entrusted to you because your time as a manager is now ending. Do you know your time of management on this earth, there'll be a day where it will end. In fact, friends, can I tell you, the statistics on death are quite impressive. 10 out of 10 people die every time. And friends, can I tell you, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 9.27, it says, just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes what? Judgment. Your audit. You're going to stand before God. Do you know, in fact, you, wanna, you might want to pay close attention to this. Because do you know when you stand before God in judgment, he's going to ask you two questions. The first question that God is going to ask you is, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ, who I sent to be your savior. Friends, I promise you, he's not going to ask you what kind of car you drove. He's not going to ask you the size of the house you lived in. He's not going to ask you what religion you were, what denomination you were. All of that aside, he's going to say, man, I gave my son Jesus to take nails for you. What did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? Did you love him? Did you trust him? Did you receive his gift of eternal life? That's the first question. And I hope that you'll nail that one down today, friends. That's why we're here. Then he's going to ask you this second question, this audit question. He's going to ask you, were you a faithful manager of your one and only life? Because this message is more than just money management. It's life management. It's been said that your life is God's gift to you. But what you do with it is your gift back to him. How are you managing that gift? Are you doing it well? Well, I want to give you a moment to, to think about that and pray about that. Would you Let's uh, end this message with a moment of prayer together. Would you just take in a deep breath? Woo! Just rest right now on the fact that You are loved by the God of the universe. You are fully loved, fully accepted. God's not here to beat you down or to make you feel guilty. He loves you. He wants to help you in every area that matters in your life. I want you to take a moment and think about where you are financially today. 
Where could you be one year from now if you would allow God to transform you? To say, God, no more, no more worshiping greed over God. No more wasting money. God, I'm going to work to get an upper management, invest in eternity, and, and prepare myself for your audit. I want, to do, I want to manage my money and my life by your will and your way.